This morning we continue with part five in our series, Trusting Your Father's Heart. And I want to begin today by reading the passage of Scripture that we've been looking at from Matthew chapter 6, and I'll begin reading again in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This morning, as we continue this study of the Lord's Prayer, I want to begin with some questions related to today's subject. Do you find it difficult to pray for or talk to people who have significantly hurt you? Have you ever been deeply hurt by another person and find it trying and even near impossible to be kind or good to them? Do you seek to be reconciled with others who have done evil to you, or are you waiting for them to make the first move because, after all, they hurt you? Have you ever been periodically annoyed by another person and over time felt an increasing bitterness toward them and are presently not even communicating with them? Are you still angry toward other people because of their views of you personally or their spiritual views or their political views? Do you go out of your way to stay away from people whose sin has hurt you? Do you find it impossible to pray for those who have hurt people you love? Well, how about you and when you sin? Do you shut down when other people confront you about your sins? Do you justify your evil behavior but condemn others who do the same thing to you? Have you ever grieved God because of your ongoing patterns of sin and are taking for granted His love for you? Have you stopped reading your Bible because you feel condemned when you do? Do you find it hard to ask God for things in prayer because He seems distant and far away from you? The fifth petition in the Lord's Prayer is, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The very wording of this petition, forgive us as we also have forgiven, brings verses 14 and 15 into view. Again, they say, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. These verses do not teach a salvation-by-works doctrine. 
They do not teach, for example, that your justification is somehow jeopardized by how you treat those who sin against you. Remember, the people being taught this prayer are already disciples. They already know God as their Father. Yet, these verses do teach that your justification is proven, made evident, and illustrated by the way you treat people who have sinned against you. It's rather easy to love people who love you. The real test is will you love people when they've hurt you, when they've been evil towards you and have sinned against you? How deep is your love at that moment for them? These verses teach God's insistence that you, his children, members of his family, members of one another, must treat your brothers and sisters who have sinned against you with grace, patience, and love, even as God has treated you despite all your sinful baggage. If you don't, your Father will resist fellowship with you conceal from you the assurances of his acceptance and the joys of his salvation. He will keep pointing out your sin so long as you keep fixating on your brother or sister's sin and refuse to let them go. When Jesus was hated, reviled, and even being crucified, he prayed for his enemies, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' posture and priority when sinned against was to seek the very best possible blessing for his enemies, forgiveness and acceptance by his Father. Often when hurt by others, you may want to pray, Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to me. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. That's actually a Bible verse. It is one thing to pray for God to take vengeance and repay sin and sinners where there never will be repentance. It is completely different, however, to pray for God to give grace and peace to those in the body of Christ who have sinned against you, or those who will be brought to repentance and faith in Jesus because they experience God's kindness and favor through you. God is your Creator and your Father by grace through the gift of faith in Jesus, His Son. You don't deserve God or His grace, but you have a relationship with Him because God is love. You are forever in God's debt. You owe Him every obedience and genuine worship simply for who He is, and especially for what He has done in His Son by His Spirit, despite your rebellion against Him. When you sin against God, you are indebted to Him, the one to whom you owe perfect obedience. God has graciously given you an advocate, a defense attorney, someone who will speak on your behalf and for your forgiveness He's given you an advocate with himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus prays when you sin, 
that his atoning sacrifice would be credited to your indebtedness, and you would be forgiven and cleansed from all your unrighteousness. Having been given this grace, it is the height of hypocrisy to withhold this received grace from those who sin against you and become indebted to you. Jesus tells you, and whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Related to this, Jesus also says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. The fact that you are commanded to owe no one anything except love makes these verses go both ways. If someone has something against you, you ought to seek to be reconciled to them first before you go offer your worship to God. Going to them is actually a form of worship for God. However, if someone has hurt you, you still owe them love and should readily seek to soften your heart, forgive them, be gracious toward them, and go to them in view of their sin to be reconciled to them and offer them forgiveness. It goes both ways. God plainly teaches, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The last parts of these verses just quoted are the key. God in Christ forgave you. God put away his anger against you by pouring it out on Jesus Christ, his Son. God has been kind to you, tender-hearted and forgiving toward you. God loves you. Christ Jesus walked in love and gave himself up on the cross for your sins. He also did this for the sins of your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you fixate on God's grace, on his mercies, on his love, in Christ for you, it is difficult, is it not, to withhold forgiveness from others. Notice these verses again, and what it says about God, it says that he not only forgave you in Christ, it says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. You are recipients of the everlasting, unfailing love of God. God's love is conditional, and His love that is conditional conditions you, does it not, to love others as you have been loved. 
it is good to weigh things accurately. When you consider the totality of your sins, all of them, past, present, and future, when you consider all of your sins being borne by Jesus to Calvary, and when you consider the eternal punishment they deserve being taken fully by Jesus, you meditate on that. The sin of other people against you is comparatively comparatively minute and microscopic at best. You must be merciful as your Father has been to you. Jesus talks about the beam that's in our eye and the speck that is in the eye of another. There is no way in this petition, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, there is no way to miss the corporate dimension of this petition. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors plainly teaches us how sin in the body of Christ is never truly private. You cannot have in your physical body a private or local infection that does not impact and threaten the entire body. Moreover, you can commit sin and also omit righteousness. Both things are sinful. Debts we owe or have failed to pay. Furthermore, there are ways that the body of Christ or local congregations of Christians have sinned corporately against God. In addition to these things, embedded in these verses and in this petition, forgive us as we have also forgiven others, embedded in this petition is a commission to the very uncomfortable process of exposing the sins of others, and perhaps even more uncomfortable having your own sins exposed by others. Yet that is what it takes so that with one voice we might say, forgive us our debts. The second part of this petition, as we have forgiven our debtors, also calls for us to exhort one another in the body of Christ, to not hold grudges against our offenders. Do you ask your brothers and sisters in Christ whether they have been sinned against and whether they are being kind and loving to their offenders, whether they are praying for them, whether they are ready to forgive those who have hurt them? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Those verses require not only self-examination, but examination of one another. This is not a summons to be the Holy Spirit, but a call to be your brother or your sister's keeper, for we are members of one another. If when one suffers, we all suffer, and when one rejoices, we all rejoice, it is equally true, as the story of Achan teaches us, when one sins, we all are impacted. 
We all suffer when a brother or sister sins. And we all suffer when you sin. Directly connected with mutual plowing of our hearts to uproot sin in order to plant in its place the good seeds of God's Word, it is important to affirm that when you acknowledge and confess sin, God expects repentance, reconciliation, and renewal to follow, as much as it depends on you to live at peace with all men. This goes together with forgiveness for a number of reasons. And for a number of reasons, acknowledging wrongdoing has become the in thing to do. But acknowledgement is not enough. John and Jesus commanded repentance, which includes turning to God, turning away from idols in order to serve the living and true God and look forward to seeing Jesus in peace. Forgiveness is given to those who not only admit sin, but by God's gracious working seek daily to quit sin and love him. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. These passages come from Proverbs 28 and 29. Repentance is the command to ongoing change in attitude, outlook, and behavior. This requires studying Jesus and how he walks and lives in love, and through him and his spirit together with his people reflect that same selfless, holy love to those in Christ and without Christ. The Bible says it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. And it is the kindness of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, operating in you and through you that helps people and encourages them and stirs them to repentance. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has been crucified. He has died and rose again, and you are accepted fully and finally and forever in Him. His blood has paid for all your crimes. And with this in mind, we must always seek to reflect the fruit of His Spirit in relation to others, ready to forgive, ready to reconcile, ready to restore, and ready together to be renewed. It is the only way to experience the joys of your Father's ongoing love and grace. David lost the joy of God's salvation when he sinned against God with Bathsheba and Uriah. And he prayed, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Have you ever said, I will never forgive you? Or I'll forgive you, but I won't forget what you've done to me. I'm going to remember that. Both of these betray the immeasurable grace that you have known in Christ Jesus. Forgive as you have been forgiven. 
And as you forgive others, you will increasingly experience together the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that cannot be fully known. And you will find yourself actually forgetting what has been done to you. You will find the love of God and the grace of God beginning to overwrite even in your thinking and in your relating to the person who has hurt you the crimes that they have done against you. The love of Jesus Christ is able to cover a multitude of sins. For all of you have become, the Bible says, like one who is unclean. Isn't that true for every one of us? Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We fade like a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. But in spite of all of that, God, your Father, says, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. God's reputation is on the line. And I will not remember your sins. He's buried your sins in the depths of the sea. He's treaded all of your iniquities underfoot. He refuses to remind himself of what you have done. And some people say, well, that's God. Well, that's really God and his love. And that love of God, the Bible says, dwells inside of the believer's heart. Now, obviously, there are limitations on human beings that we cannot do everything that God has done, but we should seek to experience and to plumb the depths of God's grace and His love and His mercies offered to us in Jesus Christ. And we should offer the same thing to others who have hurt us and who have sinned against us so that we might be able to pray and not have our hearts condemn us and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We've put their debts away in our relationship with them, in our thoughts, in our point of view. We don't see them and define them by how they have treated us in the past or the evils that they have done, but we define them as we see them in Jesus Christ. And this works with our enemies as well. The Bible says that we must pray for those who mistreat us. We must bless those who curse us. We must do good to those who have hurt us. That's difficult to do, but it's not difficult or burdensome when we think about Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is meek and lowly in heart. That's the way he described himself. And he says, take my my yoke upon you and learn of me that I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you consider the immense love of God given to you in Jesus Christ, forgiving others is not burdensome at all. God has forgiven so much more of your sin than he asks you to forgive people who have sinned against you. He's not asking you to take away their sins, only he can do that, but he's asking you to relate to people who have hurt you and who have been evil against you in a kind and a loving and a merciful, a patient and a gracious and a good way. 
because that's what he does for you. And you've been worse to God than people have been to you. That's what's true. And when you plumb the depth of that reality, it's not so difficult to let people go when they've hurt you and say, I forgive you, and actually mean it, and seek to see them in a new light with a new point of view so that your love for them in Christ begins to overcome and challenge the memory of the evil they've done towards you. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God bless you and keep you.